Hey, good morning, cyber subscribers. I'm joined by the infamous Laurent Gray, the man with the most ridiculous personal Gmail <laughs> in my life. I want to let him talk about that more. Um, Laurent is an offensive security consultant, Bishop Fox, uh, a legend in the OPSEC field, both on and off the keyboard, the laptop, uh, in the cloud. <laughs> I'm not sure how more we can describe you, Laurent, but uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. We're grateful to have you. That's a that's an intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for sure. Well, Laurent, you've been in cyber for how like how many years? Ooh, uh, 2014. So, uh, that long? How long? Um, I can't add nine nine years. Yeah, <laughs> subtract. I guess. Yeah, nine years. Uh, yeah, 2014. So, and what drew you into the field? Like, what were you what were you doing at that point in time, and what made you think like this is the space for me? I sort of just fell into it. Um, so I was <laughs> I was in the Navy, and uh, I was doing electronics, like uh, video game, I don't know, video game, uh, like communications and navigation maintenance, and uh, I was going to get out and get my degree and like biometric engineering or something like that, like some, some, some electrical engineering degree. And then before I got out, I was like, oh, this, this position's open in the Navy. Let me go look at this. This looks cool. Cybersecurity, forensics, hacking kind of deal. Like maybe I could do this. I remember that I had been originally offered that job uh, when I first joined the Navy, but I didn't accept it because I was like, I, I can't do that. That's, that looks scary. Uh, so I switched my job and then I sort of just landed into cybersecurity. Uh, just <laughs> one day I was on a ship. The next day I was not. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Was a, a little bit of a different journey, right? I wasn't planning on it, um, but once I heard about that position, I was like, "Yes, this, this is something I want to try." Now that I know I can do my current job, let me try to do something that's not that. And one thing I think, Laurent, that that makes you kind of like a legend in the field is that like you are able to to dabble in so many different spaces, right? So I guess what what brought you within cyber into offsec? Like what made you feel like this is the space? Because it's such a big field, right? People are asking like where to start and why. So when I fell into cybersecurity, I was I was working in a, in an offensive space, but I wasn't really sure like what I wanted to do when I got out because. At that point, I was like, well, I'm not staying in the Navy past 10 years, and I didn't, uh, but I wasn't entirely sure how I wanted to, like, transition out of it. And so I was like, well, based on the stuff I'm doing now, I can do some offensive security certs, some SANS certs or something like that. Uh, I was working on my degree, my bachelor's at the time. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll try pen testing, like. That's what, that's what everybody wants to do, right? Be a pen tester. That's the cool job. So uh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll prep myself for that. And so I just started doing it. I was like, I get a bunch of training. I don't really have a training budget per se. I had some, but not a lot. I was getting a lot of the classes for free, essentially. So I was like, I'm not going to not take advantage of all this free training that's coming my way. And on top of school, I was like, I'm, I'm set. I'm good to go. I can go be a, a little pen tester. But it wasn't anything uh in particular like versus uh like blue teaming or forensics it's just where i happened to be at the time 
it made the most sense because that was the most transferable skill set that I had. Do you find that so I know blue team and forensics, right? Since you work in offsite, do you find that that gives you a unique perspective into like how blue teamers respond or are you, because you have an understanding of maybe not, not like APT modalities, but how to, how to persist within a system as a threat. Like, do you feel as though that you have more insight into that starting an offsec or do you think that starting as a blue teamer gives you like, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know the answer to that because I didn't start as a blue teamer, but yeah. uh, I think it's important to have both sides. Like mm-hmm. you have to be able to understand that, that, for example, if you if you use some a certain technique, right, or or use a certain exploit, then X Y Z is going to happen. And if you can't explain that as a red teamer to a blue teamer, then you're not really doing your job. So uh, you have to understand what the impact is and how to mitigate it. But the full impact of being a blue teamer is probably a lot heavier mm. because you have to be ready for anything, whereas a red teamer basically just has to find something to make you ready for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you don't really know what's gonna happen, but a, a blue teamer's defensive job is probably significantly harder uh, because they have so much to cover. So um, I would say that it does give an insight into blue teaming, um, but it's not, I think, anything what blue teamers go through uh, and the, what the defensive side goes through. I mean, I think the, the news that's kind of rocking our community and I guess the cyberspace in general is like like things like LastPass, right? Yeah. Like, what do you what are you thinking when you hear LastPass has got like what does that make you think? Like, what are you thinking in terms of the password manager ecosystem, or like? That's terrible because I was using LastPass, <laughs> and uh, I rotated all my passwords and all that stuff. Um, but like, it's kind of wild. like anything that's that's man made can be broken. Uh, somehow it's just a matter of time of figuring how how to do it uh last pass is, is no exception and a lot of other things are no exception right um just like any other password manager it makes it harder to do and makes it near impossible some things are near impossible to do in a single lifetime but right eventually like if i had been if i was a little baby and i had been brute forcing all passwords all my life right <laughs> maybe <laughs> at this point in time uh, i'd have like a, a nice word list for like you know, a bunch of, I don't know, beyond eight character passwords by now, but I don't know, you'll see. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, like it's not, I'm exaggerating, but but uh, anything can be broken. It's just a matter of, of finding the time or understanding the technology enough or uh, developing and advancing past that technology in order to do it. So mm. uh, things like LastPass are gonna happen. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that it happened, but they're going to happen. And I'm sure it'll happen again to somebody else. Well, I, I say that, hopefully not. But but just the, just, what is it? What's that law called? Whatever, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some inevitability, right? Yeah, yeah, that's do, what I was looking for, yeah. Do you still feel like password managers are, like, I mean, are valuable in the ecosystem, needed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, like if you, there's certain things that like legally, like you, let's say like you had a phone, right? And you got arrested and somebody wanted to search it, right? And you say, oh, they ask you, what's your password? We have a, a, a legal right to search through something. If I don't know my password, I can't tell you, right? I literally can't tell you. 
if I if I somehow lose access to my password manager, um, I literally just can't tell you anything, right? right. It is it is it's not uh uh what's it called obstruction of anything at that point. It's just I literally don't know off the top of my head. It's like thirty two characters, and I keep a bunch, right? So um, I think there's a lot a lot of benefit beyond just uh, um, not having predictable passwords. And uh, you know, and stuff like that. Randomly generated stuff is cool. You're not required to remember anything. And if someone were to ask you, you literally couldn't tell them, right? Because <laughs> you don't know yourself. So there are like there's some strengths there, absolutely. And and these breaches of LastPass, I mean, things like Chat GPT, right? Like things like things that are how AI is changing the cybersecurity landscape. What do you think? How do you think that's going to impact things like password management, things like offensive security? What What are your like? What's your gut telling you? And have you used any of these tools? Um, I've messed around with ChatGPT. Uh, it flagged me like twice for uh, potentially writing malware. But all I did was like, uh, I was like, hey, um, go to this website and just like enumerate all the stuff. I forget what it was for specifically. But it was like, oh, this isn't no, writing malware. I'm like, no, like this is a public endpoint. Like this is not. So I, I think they want to be able to prevent things like that, but you you can't. Right? The the technology is there, and it's going to be used uh, to do what people want them to do. <laughs> like you made the technology, now you gotta you gotta suffer for it, right? Um, but like even just the other day, I, somebody posted about how uh, they built um, an entire like implant through chat GPT and it's like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm sure they ask like one function at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of deal. And so like, it's, it's going to change and make things probably a little more accessible uh, for people who don't code. But the caveat is that if you don't understand what you're looking at, you don't understand the impact. Right. And again, <laughs> if you're trying to do like any professional offensive security, that's not a good look. Uh, but if you're just like a script kitty or something like that, maybe you can get away with it. Maybe. Mm. I mean, that's crazy <laughs> to think about. Right, right. Right. It's like it's it's a tool. Like, do you know how to use it? And can right. you learn how to ask the right questions for? Yeah, I met somebody the other day um, and uh, I don't know why she started this conversation, but she was like, hey, I just moved here um, and I need to write a resume. Uh, for my current job because she didn't like her where she's at right now and she's trying to find a new job and she was like like do you have any like action words that i can use for somebody who's been a barista hmm. like barista <laughs> that's not my field i have no idea uh i was like you know what let's ask chat gpt and i just pulled it up on my phone it was like here you go and she's like oh this is cool thanks so i mean it's it's very helpful <laughs> um for stuff but i can't imagine that um offensive security is going to uh, I want to say evolve. It's just going to be maybe more accessible. How do you think that's going to change, like blue teaming? Oh, uh, well, I'm sure people could have their own individual Chat GPT instance and like train it on like event logs and stuff like that. Maybe uh, anytime someone says, "Oh, we have an AI in our our next generation." endpoint defense product it's kind of like okay 
Uh, like, is it, is it like how, like, you're training stuff and you're, you're starting to learn over time. So I'm assuming that tech, tech, the baseline for that technology is there. Right. But uh, I mean, I think it has a long way to go before it's more like super effective. There's going to catch a lot of baseline stuff, right? Like the simple things that you really shouldn't be doing if you're uh, an attacker, right? Uh, running net use or who am I like right after. Right. But you don't, you don't call that AI, right? <laughs> you just, you say, hey, this happened, and this is an event that occurred. Uh, so all right, we'll, we'll have to see. I think it's just a time will tell kind of deal. But well, people are being very creative with the stuff they're doing, and so that's interesting to see. I mean, even to, to be able, whether chat GBT will, will flag it or not, the fact that there's a tool in existence that has the capacity to write malware. Right. right? Like, yeah. that alone is, like, as if challenges with grayware ransomware aren't significant enough now i mean i guess like i guess it depends on on what it has access to right it only knows so much and i don't know like i haven't tried like try like maybe like obfuscating or stuff like that or or trying to replace like at a some level i'm sure somebody out there right now is trying it i, I would guarantee it but um yeah, it would be interesting to see how far you can stretch it because uh, you know, it's going to give you the basics and human readable stuff because that's what it's designed to do. For someone who's interested in getting into pen testing, right? You had a kind of a non traditional start, I would say. Yeah. But, <laughs> but despite that, you've seen so much of the offensive security ecosystem. How would you recommend someone get started? Um. Well, there's always the basics of anything um, because most pen, tes pen testing focuses on like the network side, uh, like the, the stuff that like cert cert uh, certificates, certifications go over, SANS or OSCP and stuff like that. But there's a lot more to it, I think, that isn't really covered anywhere. Um, you have the network side and you have like cloud stuff, which is very different and ne doesn't necessarily require like the network skills. It's a very different environment. Um, you have people who are doing like ICS stuff, and so uh, they know uh, uh, network protocols probably more than most people, right? Because they're looking at very sometimes proprietary uh, network protocols, and and so you have to just figure out what you want to do. Like, it's a big field of pen testing. Offensive security is a big field, right? Um, anything that's computer uh, can be tested, right? Anything that has any sort of electronics can be tested. So uh, you really have to pick, um, a spe I wanna say a specialty, like start start with something very specific, something that you enjoy, right? And then look at it and try to you know, break it, and hopefully put it back together. But uh, like, yeah, you have to start with that because um, I've learned over the time that you can do pen testing, generally speaking, um, you can know how to move around a network, you can do a lot of movement, you can do the basics, but at a certain point, um, and maybe this is just me, uh, I get bored. And so I want to do something else. I want to do what people aren't doing kind of deal. Right. So, uh, if everyone's looking at Mac OS, uh, maybe I don't want to look at Mac OS. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's developing your skills and, and your interests and understanding understanding what you're interested in is very important in order to, I think, be effective because otherwise you'll just 
end up doing the same sort of networks or the same sort of web apps over and over again for years and not really grow. And I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Uh, but I, I have a, a personal investment in like personal growth. So like, it's very important to me, maybe not to everybody. Some people will just do it for the money and that's, that's fine too. Uh, it's just, if you are, if you are anything like me, uh, find, find your niche, find what's, what's cool. Um, try different things, communicate with people, um, hang out in different Slack channels, discords, see what people are up to. Um, even if you're just starting out because it gives you an idea of what's out there. A lot of people say when they first start, I don't know if I want to red team or blue team or you know, do whatever. Uh, the, mo the first part is getting to the community where it happens and seeing what's available and then deciding what you like and then following it. So what are some of those slacks or discords that people starting out should should take a look at? Um, a lot of different infosec cons have their own discords. Um, a lot of people, they move from Slack and like Zoom or Rago. Um, <clears throat> but uh, like there's a lot of different discords for different conventions. DEF CON has one. Uh, some of the annual ones, Cactus Con, uh, Wild West Hacking Fest. Um, there's, there's a bunch of different conventions out there that will have discords and just communications and different channels to talk about different things. Um, some of the Slack channels, uh, this is the only really one I hang out now. Um, and that's in the, uh, the well, it's two, I guess. Um, the Bloodhound Slack mm -hmm. channel from the guys at Spectre Ops, where they have just, a, they've grown a community of, of so many different people. And it's not very, it's not Bloodhound specific, right? That's how it started, but um, it's grown into all different sorts of categories where you can learn things and talk to people who are actively doing research and, and stuff like that. So it's a great spot. And then the other Slack I, I sort of, pay attention to, um, but I don't necessarily hang out in, um, is the volatility slack out of all slacks, which is for like the memory forensics framework. Uh, I'm only in there because I have a current interest in things that are in memory, like secrets and stuff like that. So uh, I like to pay attention to what's going on in there and see how people are doing uh, certain forensics techniques. So when we're talking about different niches that people can can kind of get dialed into within the offsec space, are we talking about like mobile devices, ICS, right. meaning like industrial control systems? Are we thinking about like cars? Are we thinking about yeah. like what what are some of those niches that you see that are in play in offsec that people may may think about and may just not? Exactly that, right? So there's there's mobile uh, web apps, there's traditional network pen testing, cars. Uh, um, if you like doing hardware hacking um so just general devices uh cloud i don't know if i said that but um like there's there's a bunch of different emerging and existing technologies that are just if it's computer <laughs> it can be tested it can be tried uh so um yeah basically yeah basically it, those are like the big ones i think most people get into i can't think of off the top of my head like smaller ones but if you go to like random meetups or like uh, i went to a meetup here um a couple of weeks ago and somebody just had like a whole bunch of old macbooks and mm. like like the original macbooks i'm like that was his thing he had like three of them on him and he was just like showing people like hey i'm really interested in this i'm trying to do some loading up some different os's on these old macbooks that aren't supposed to work and it's like that's 
kind of cool. Like, like you found your thing that you really enjoy. So um, it, it it varies, <laughs> it, but the top uh, the big uh, uh, categories are for sure things like mobile network, um, web app, cloud, stuff like that. Yeah. And it sounds like memory is exciting you right now, right? What what else within the field is something, or maybe not memory, but like how things are maintained in, in memory within forensic and inquiries, but what else is exciting you in the field? Um, uh, I mean, so my, I guess my, my niches, I guess, are uh, cloud, like particularly Azure. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, I think just came with the, the job description of USS slash job. And, uh, and uh, extracting credentials out of memory um, from things that aren't LSAS. Mm. Uh, I think LSAS kind of over the LSAS uh, world is sort of overcrowded with researchers. I'm interested in things that aren't that, and like um, like how to pull like secrets out of that, out of like a random process. And so like that's where I'm focusing my my. I haven't. I guess I have started. I also am focusing like my dissertation work on. Um, because like that's very unexplored, I think. Um, there are some things out there, like uh, uh, like there's a a password extraction tool for like KeyPass, mm. right? right? And and it sort of goes like it touches some of the things that I'm really interested in. But I want to focus on just like arbitrary processes and like how do I find something that might be valuable that this process is using, right? Um, of course, it depends on the processing, what its purpose is, but uh, yeah, that's sort of my my particular thing. And it's, it's really cool, I think, because like last year, I had a, but I, I'm going to say this carefully, uh, there was an operation we were doing, and it was very low level, and um, by low level, I mean like, um, uh, it was very it was very low level. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. And uh, and basically, we got to this point where um, we had like a memory dump of a very important computer. And I was like, well, how do we extract these private keys out of memory mm -hmm. for like a random process that's probably not in LSAS? It, was, it wasn't. Some of it was in LSAS. Some of it wasn't. And like uh, my manager at the time, like he was like, he, like here's an idea, but I don't know if this is gonna work. And so I took the time and I was like, "Give me this." <laughs> took a couple of days and had a, like solution by the, the end of the week. Whoa! And, like it, it helped, like the, it helped the operation, and not just that operation, but a different one too that was actually going on. And so, like, like that, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool!" Like this concept, I want to apply this to a bunch of other things too. And so um, that's where my interest started. So like I wasn't expecting to do that. Didn't. Didn't know that was coming, uh, but sometimes you find your your moment, and it's like, like nobody else is doing this. I want to know more. Uh, so that's that's basically my uh, my approach to a lot of things. Nobody else is doing it. Let me see. Oh, that's amazing! And I think the ecosystem is evolving so quickly, right? The fact that um, yeah, whispers of memory, right, and whispers of these processes, like maybe maybe we can break down and get more information from them. That's nuts to think about. And it seems yeah. like it's already has a, a use case. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> that particular operation was probably the, one of the, the, the most interesting I've ever done. I can't, I guess I can really talk about it, but like, it, it was just, the result was, was, uh, uh, 
had that domino effect on certain things. And so um, it was nice to see that it had a good impact, but I was more excited about like the the technical implementation of, of what I did. <laughs> so I was like, yes, this is so cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, then like, that's oh, sorry. Yeah, so you're currently in the process of receiving your PhD. Yeah, um, I'm, I have a few more classes to take and then the dissertation process to finish. So I should be done uh, by fall of next year if I plan things out and I, I don't mess anything up. Which you won't, but yeah. at which point everyone's going to have to call you Doc, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only the people I don't like, like, if I don't like you. <laughs> everybody else is, you can still call me Leron, but if I don't like you, uh, that's, that's Dr. Gray. Thank you. Yeah. So, and within the InfoSec community, two things, I already mentioned this to you before the show that people, people say when they, when I reference Leron Gray, other than the fact that you are excellent at what you do is the music, right? And then Twitter and the authenticity and what that brings to the community. So what are you working on right now in terms of music and, and what do you see happening within people who are making kind of cyber more a part of mainstream consciousness? Because And you started in 2014, right? right? Wouldn't you say that cybersecurity back then was viewed more as like a burden than something like exciting? Well, those are two different questions. Let me answer the second question first. Uh, I would say that at the time, I wasn't aware of what was going on in the world. Like my job was very specific, right? Cause I was still in the Navy. So like my view of cybersecurity at the time was very narrow. Um, and it wasn't until maybe like 2018, 2017, where I was like, oh, there's a lot more out there, right? I sort of knew, but I, I didn't really know. And I, you know, even now, like I still don't know. Every time I see certain people that I follow post something, I'm like, yo, that's really cool. Um, like I would have never thought about that. So, um, it's, I, I don't, I can't really say if it's changed. I'm sure it has, uh, but I don't necessarily have the, that breadth of knowledge from back then to be like, it's changed this much, right? I, I know what I see now and I know that it's a lot, <laughs> but I would imagine you know, 10, 20 years ago, like it was, it was a, a lot less to deal with, uh, until technology quickly evolved in like late nineties, early two thousands. Um, the other question what you asked me was about music. Yeah, uh, Leron, Leron and the diss track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a man. So diss tracks are, are weird for me because I, I enjoy writing them. I really do. Um, sometimes they're, they're sort of playful in how I approach them. I think there's only like one time I ever wrote something that was like, I was like really upset with somebody. Like I was, I was mad, <laughs> but um, a lot of times they're, they're just sort of like playful things just for entertainment. Um, but yeah, they're also very important, um, I think, because a lot of people don't get that real talk that they deserve. And <laughs> I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the arbiter of real talk, but like some people just need to hear certain things. And um, if I can do that, I can do it just in words. But sometimes it's inspirational for me to like sit down and write something. Uh, I, I tend to, my music release schedule is non-existent. And so I just, every once in a while I'll write something and be like, hey, here's a cool new song. Um, but uh, one of the things that like motivates me 
just in general um is like a little competitiveness like and not to be like in a, in a, a tear you down sort of way competitiveness more like if you're doing something and i think it's cool i want to do it too and i want to improve on it and then i want to give it back to you and then you can improve on it kind of deal right collaborate comp- competitive collaboration i guess right yeah um and so not that i expect anybody <laughs> to respond to a diss track but it makes me feel like there's those that feeling at the time is sort of like ah, i want to write something blah 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 uh, mom's spaghetti i don't know whatever <laughs> yeah. uh and so like it's it's a way for me to express myself mm-hmm. but also uh in some cases uh throw a little competitive edge in there particularly when it comes like now when it comes to the people who are like green infosec like like the jonathan scott thing like that was just something i did for fun there's certain other people I almost who understand like the jonathan scott thing though the walk yeah. us through for people who may not have context oh boy um so that is the guy who's like one of the who has become one known as one of the biggest frauds in the industry. Um, he 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 says certain things. He doesn't have the evidence to back them up, or he interprets information sort of um, intentionally poorly. Let's say put it that way. And uh, <clears throat> he's very he's very dangerous as in that regard. And I mean that in cybersecurity is a very like we we know what we're talking about sometimes when we're talking about things, but if you go out to like the average person, right, who doesn't know what how computers work, um, they're going to take something uh, by somebody who says something with confidence as fact, right? And I guess that's just human nature. Oh, you're speaking confidently. Like you must know what you're talking about, except when the person doesn't know what they're talking about and they're they're wrong in a lot of cases. Um, it has a negative effect, and it happened a couple of times with him, but it wasn't just that like. Like you can get called out on stuff um, and and apologize, right? And like, oh, okay, you know, I I messed up, sorry, whatever. Uh, that man does not. Uh, he doubles down every time exponentially. <laughs> so um, that's what that's what that song was about. It was it was just I saw something. I forget what it was at the time, and I just saw it. I was like, let me write this song. It's it's, it's a fun song to write. Um, but as far as like the other rappers in the scene, like. Those those are the people who I uh, I may not always expect a response, but like I sort of do it with like if you do respond, it would be pretty cool um, competitively. And I'm sort just of, sort of a oh, jump between audiences. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think it's it's a jump, but it's still the. It sounds like what you value is um, like consistency of truth and expertise, and. Um, for a little bit more context, Jonathan Scott is like a Texas-based um, cybersecurity personality who runs an organization called Hacktree.org. And um, is it, does he? That's my understanding. It was um, like a, a nonprofit that he is working to found. That and he's a doctoral <laughs> student. Um, who, yeah, that that uh, that was that was messy. He, he went after some people who he shouldn't have, and. Uh, I think he he had his uh, his uh, uh, his enrollment suspended <laughs> by that college. So I don't know if he's still working on his degree. Um, last I checked, he he changed his bio to just master's and not PhD oh, student wow. or whatever. But um, but yeah, yeah, he's just been a mess, and and he's been going and 
and trying to attack the wrong people. And it, it's been wild. It's been, it's been an adventure for the last couple of years. So who do you see as voices of truth within the community? And where do you go to find high quality information? Like who are the people that, that bring new things to you that you know um, you, you can trust and verify? There's a lot of people, like people who, who give their presentations who have sort of just become knowledgeable in certain aspects. Um, like they give presentations at cons or they like they publish the research blogs and and like supporting evidence and like uh, things like that. Um, there's a there's a lot of people in, in different areas uh, when it comes to things like Azure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain people who oh, I love, like the research that they're doing. And there were certain things that like they were doing that I couldn't talk about at the time because uh, when I was still working at Microsoft, I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, but people like uh, uh, a Dr. Azure AD, who I was just talking to the other day um, on Twitter. Um, uh, there's a couple of people who work at different consultancies. Uh, Carl, uh, I, forget, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm, a, I'm a just not, who works at NetSpy. Um, uh, Darion, who works from the Netherlands, posts a lot, a lot of good research. Uh, between the three of them um, and a couple of others, uh, like uh, 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 people from SpectreOps, like they, they post a lot of good Azure research between them. And so if I'm looking for something Azure related, I'll look at that. If I'm looking for like tool development, um, Byte Bleeder, uh, AKA Marcello. Um, so I forget his last name, um, but uh, he's he's very like, he wrote like crap map exec right. uh, and a couple of other tools. And like, and I have like a lot of respect for him and a couple of other people uh, in that community. Um, and his, um, what's it called now? Uh, Porchetta Industries community that he built for tool development. Super cool. I like writing tools. So I look for stuff like that. Um, and then uh, the general red teaming, um, I just constantly stay in the Slack channels and just like watch, see what people are up to, uh, and just like soaking advice. Even even if I'm not looking for it, it's like here, here's something to to remember for for later. So, Ron, um, it sounds like like good things to look out for are who are people who are building things that not not only position them as experts but increase the capacity of the community. Like yes. who are people who are building tools that everyone and can sharing. Utilize. Yeah, sharing is important. Um, I don't know, you can't share everything because at some point you got to make money off of things, right? But <laughs> um, like people who are willingly sharing the information. Uh, another person uh, from uh, 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 Europe. Um, uh, I actually don't know his his name. He goes by uh, Adam Chester, I think it is, or something mm-hmm. like that, um, from MDSEC. Posts a okay. lot of good research. He's very well rounded uh, in like the stuff that he talks about. So he'll 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 talk about like Azure one day, or he'll talk about like AMSI or something like that. And they they have uh, uh, yeah, he has a lot of really really good stuff. So um, yeah, there's a lot of people out there, especially on Twitter um, and Twitter communities who I'm just like uh, follow. And we'll have those handles linked below. I know Doctor. Dr. Azure AD is also Dr. Nestori Cinema, who mm-hmm. is like a senior principal researcher at SecureWorks. He's got his PhD as well, formerly of Microsoft, I think. Um, but th- those know. are these are legends, right? And um, yeah. but it's it's great to like it, thank you for taking the time to not only share how people can learn and grow, but also for being yourself in the field. I know we've talked to a few people 
through these interviews and everyone's like, you got to talk Laurent, 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 Laurent. <laughs> but because you leave, I mean, you're genuinely one of the most authentic personalities in the field. And it's great to connect with people who only want the field to grow because it's like by attending that garden, like we all get better right. and the challenges get harder, but that's also part of the fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, man, it, it's, as you mentioned, like there aren't a lot of black people in, in offensive cybersecurity and everybody who is knows each other. <laughs> like, like we all know who each other are. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very small field, but hopefully that changes and hopefully I can uh, provide the opportunity for, for people to, to get involved and, and learn. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are, I would say, following the wrong people. Um, as, <laughs> I don't want to say any names specifically. I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna leave that one alone, but, but I've seen it and, and it's like, people say they're inspired to get into the cybersecurity field, but they're being led the wrong way or they're being charged uh, money for something that shouldn't be charged money for. People are like taking advantage of that. And it's, it's kind of like wild to see. I'm like, why would, why would you pay somebody for this? You can see this on YouTube. Here's a blog post about it. Here's a, a link of, of, for training, free training, hopefully, you know, free training. Um, but it's, it, that gap in like the costs for training in cybersecurity and what people can afford <laughs> as an individual is getting, higher and higher. So um, anything that I can do to like help casually uh, is like something I'm down for. And hopefully the field does continue to grow. So Ron, before we go, what are two things everyone should be paying attention to in the ecosystem right now? Ooh, um, wow, it's a very difficult question. Ah. Maybe my, my scope is a little narrower because like I focus mostly on cloud things, uh, but just generally speaking, cloud uh, testing, penetration testing, or anything like that is like very in demand, right? Mm -hmm. Since a lot of companies and organizations are moving from on premises to either a hybrid environment or a, uh, a cloud only environment. So um, like Azure and AWS are pretty valuable skill sets. I don't know so much about GCP. I don't know that many people who test GCP in general. Um, I've seen like maybe one or two tools for for it, but like maybe that's something that people can like grow into, right? And be like that person who knows GCP very well, right? They can like share research about it. Um, I I rarely ever see anything about <laughs> Google Cloud Platform, but um, that's probably one thing. So so cloud environments and and how people are transitioning from from that. Maybe the other thing would be, um, what's this, uh, I don't know, what's, what's been popular lately? Uh, it's been supply chain stuff that's been happening. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the move from the, I guess the push from password to passwordless mm -hmm. uh, is, is also interesting. Uh, a lot of passwordless things, right? You may not need a password, but you have to authenticate somehow, right? And so maybe that's a field of worth researching, right? Um, how are you doing that? How can it be broken? <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, from a technical perspective, like I, I look at those. Uh, as far as just like a general cybersecurity, cybersecurity perspective, I don't really know the answer to that. 
Um, I, I think I've been so lost in my own little world uh, that I stopped paying attention to the, the world at large. Um, but I mean, there's, there's all sorts of stuff out there, DevOps, um, that sort of security stuff. Uh, Kubernetes is, is rare. Don't know, people, so don't know too many people who like testing Kubernetes. <laughs> there's a couple of individuals out there, but uh, just these random technologies that are, that are being deployed everywhere and, and maybe fall within the scope of like cloud environments, but aren't necessarily part of the cloud environment. Like just like Kubernetes, they're part of cloud environments, but they're its own technology, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, maybe that's three things, I guess. So Laurent, where can people go to find you throw hands on Twitter? Like where can people, where can people <laughs> find you? Social media, websites? Yeah, uh, I, my Twitter is um, at M-C-O-H-M-I. Um, my, I do have Mastodon, I, I've made one. I don't really post over there as much. I do open it up once in a while and look around and see what's going on. That's at uh, uh, infosec.exchange, uh, at Daddy Coco Man. And uh, uh, that's also my, uh, my website, um, daddycocoman.dev. Well, Laurent, thank you for thank you for the time, the wisdom. Um, we're grateful. Everything that you mentioned in terms of like your websites and the websites of, of colleagues that you respect in the field for that new and emerging information is going to be listed below. Laurent may be our new host, co-host, joining relatively <laughs> soon. It's going to happen. I'm throwing it out there. But yeah, thank you everyone for your time, and um, we hope you stay secure.